0: As you can tell, I'm not Dr. Burroughs. I'm the younger, more handsome version. No. He's probably watching. I hope he sees that. Uh, uh, actually, Dr. Burroughs is at a conference this evening, so he asked me if I might uh, fill in for him, and it's my pleasure and my honor to be here and uh, to share God's Word with you this evening. And uh, we've already had a great time of fellowship, haven't we, and a great time of worship. That's one of my favorite songs, and, uh, you know, we always think about how we worship God in song. And tonight I'm going to talk about some different ways that we worship God. And we're going to uh, look at some verses uh, in the Bible today that um, talk about an area that a lot of pastors shy away from, and a lot of church members don't like to be spoke to about, and it is about giving. And... um, The thing of it is, you know, Jesus talked a lot about a couple of things that people don't like to hear a lot about. One was hell, and the other one was giving. And it is a part of our Christian walk. It is a part of our worship. It is a part of our obedience. Uh, It is a part of what God expects from us as believers. And so it's something that we really should be embracing as believers. And it is really something that we should... um, participate in and practice and we're going to look at that tonight and we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 6 and uh, we're going to begin let me give you a little overview though you know uh, here in Matthew Matthew records for us um, the ministry of Jesus as do all the gospels and in Matthew uh, chapter uh, 5 really starting in verse 12 is where Jesus begins his ministry And in his ministry, he begins to do the first thing he does is he calls them disciples. And you find that in Matthew, uh, again, chapter 4, verse 18. And then shortly thereafter, in verse 23 of chapter 4, he begins his public ministry and begins to teach great multitudes of people. And then as you go through the next few chapters, you have a whole bunch of, basically, the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ to those who are his followers and to those who are, again, seeking him and Uh, You have in uh, chapter 5, the the very famous Sermon on the Mount, where he gives the Beatitudes. He gives uh, the teaching on salt and light. Uh, In uh, verse 13, he begins there. He deals with uh, uh, anger and how we should deal with anger in verse 21. And in uh, verse 27, he then deals with the subject of lust. Verse 31, he goes on and deals with with divorce. Verse 33, he begins to deal with uh, oaths and swearing. Verse 38, and all these are in light of our Christian walk and how we should be responding as believers. Verse 38, he deals with retaliation. And in verse 43, he talks about loving your enemies. These are all deep, meaningful teachings that he gives us. And all, the, all of them are expectations that he had for his followers to live out in their life. And uh, he again, then goes on in verse 6 and deals for the first time with generosity and giving to people. And uh, verse 3, he has the Lord's prayer, and he, or the disciples' prayer, or uh, 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 again, teaching uh, what prayer looks like in light of, uh, uh, in light of uh, what God would have us to do. And then in verse 16, he deals with fasting and what that's all about for the believer. And then in verse 19, we get to the topic of our subject tonight. And he talks about laying up treasure. He talks about giving. And he goes on and teaches a whole lot of other things after that. He teaches us not to be anxious in verse 25. Talks about judging others in chapter 7. Talks about, again, petitioning prayer in Acts chapter 7, verse 7. Gives us the golden rule in verse 12. And it goes on. So, again, couched in, in the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ is a subject of giving. And an expectation that the Lord lays out for those who are following him in the area of giving. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. And so, uh, again, Jesus' ministry was uh, uh, very wide in its breadth. And he covered a lot of ground there. And all of these have equal importance to the believer who wants to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you would, let's look in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read in verse 19. And we're just going to read a couple of verses to start out. It says, "Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." And so um, the Lord gives us this little bit of Jim about giving. And the first thing I want to point out to you, and what he says here, is that giving can have an eternal return. And, you know, he says, lay not up for yourself treasures on the earth where things can destroy it and it can be stolen, but lay it up in heaven. You know, what do we know about heaven? We know that heaven is, again, a place that we're going to spend all of eternity. And the Lord is telling us that we can make an investment in eternal things. And matter of fact, God is expecting us to make an investment in eternal things. Now, let's think about how we invest here in our society today. Uh, You know, if we're older and we've had a job for a while and uh, we've got our kids almost through college like me and all these things that are going on that you have to spend in life for, we begin to look towards retirement, right? And we get financial planner involved if we can do that. We begin to, you know, save as much as we can. We begin to try to pay down our debt. We begin to look at again, long term, what our retirement will look like. Will we be able to sustain ourselves? Will we have enough money going forward? Uh, What happens if the stock market crashes? What happens if there's a natural disaster? What happens if something happens and I've got to take care of myself longer than I planned? All these kinds of things. Will we get a financial planner involved and they help us map that out? But a lot of Christians don't think about, they might think about, planning for the next 20 years, or if you retire early, maybe 40 years or 50 years, but do we think about what our eternal financial plan looks like? What does it look like 100 years from now, 200 years from now, 500 years from now in light of eternity? And so, you know, Jesus is telling us that we need to have an eternal focus when it comes to where we put our money. It doesn't mean that we don't take care of the things that we have in this life. It doesn't mean that we neglect any of our obligations. But it does mean that we have priorities that include the Lord Jesus Christ, his work, his ministry, and his people. It's an expectation that God puts on our life. And so, again, um, giving can have an eternal perspective. Uh, On the temporal side, many, again, have financial planners. We put a lot of effort into that. But do believers put a lot of effort into their eternal prospectus? On the eternal side, the Bible tells us that what we lay aside is not going to corrupt. You know, we have a shelf life on our ability to save money here. Because it's sooner or later, right, that's going to come to an end. Either we're going to spend it all if we live long enough or we're going to pass it on to our children if we don't. Or where, uh, you know, it, it's got a shelf life where when we invest in the things of God, it goes on throughout eternity. And, and I've, you know, I've made that statement before, but uh, one of the things we need to recognize is when we invest in eternal things, we will be guaranteed a return on that investment. Because there is nobody that can break in and steal that. There is nothing that's going to corrupt that. There is nothing that's going to rob us That that will take away the benefit of investing in the things of God throughout all of eternity. And so uh, it's protected. That investment is protected in a way that no investment on earth can be protected. So when I was younger, I was a certified financial planner for a while. And, you know, you look for ways to protect that investment. You look for ways um, to get the maximum return. You look for ways... um, to to shield from taxes. Uh, You do all these things that you do to try and build and grow that investment. Do we take the same kind of care in investing in the things of God, including our finances? But, you know, it's not just finances. It's our time. It's our talent. It's our treasure. The Bible tells us where our treasure is, and we're going to look at that. That's where our heart is also. And so, again, when we invest in the eternal things of God, we are guaranteed a return because there's nothing that's going to diminish our investment the way that it does on the physical sense. Jesus gives a parable with a story to illustrate the foolishness of a person who has a uh, temporal viewpoint of their finances. And that's the parable you find in Luke chapter 12. If you'll turn there with me. Luke chapter 12. And it's a parable that Jesus told about a man who built some barns. Do you remember that one? And he says in uh, verse uh, 15, he said he said to them, take care and be on your guard against covetousness. For one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear, tear down my barns and I will build bigger ones. And there I will store my gain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for me for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the thing that you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with the one who lays up treasure for himself. And here's the kicker. And does not reach towards God. And so, again... Uh, where does everything that we have come from to begin with, right? The Bible tells us that we are stewards, right, of what God has given us and the blessings that he bestows on our life. And we live in a country where we're very well blessed. Even the poorest among us have much more than the, some of the richest in other countries. And we are a very blessed nation. And if anybody should lead the way, again, as believers in, in being generous with how they use their funds for the Lord Jesus Christ, it should be us, right? And God has blessed us richly. And, uh, you know, the Bible is very clear that it's a foolish approach to live for yourself in the area of your finances. That's what that parable is telling us. It's a very foolish approach to think only of yourself in the area of your finances and neglect what God would have you to do. And so, uh, again, we want to be careful how we consider our finances when it comes uh, to the work of God. Now, here's the big thing about this text that stands out to me uh, from our main text. It says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And giving, Jesus is saying, is a reflection of your affection. Giving is a reflection of your affection. And, you know, know, again... uh, Look, look and think about what the Lord has done for us, right? And we love him. The songs we just sang, we were worshiping him, praising him. And, and, and we, we want to serve him and we want to live for him. We want to grow in our Christian faith and our Christian walk. But sometimes we struggle in the area of giving to the Lord. Because why? We don't necessarily trust him the way that we need to, right? Jesus said, and I'm getting ahead of my lesson, but Jesus said that he would supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If we believe that fully, we would freely give to the Lord's work. We would freely give. Because it would demonstrate the reality of our trust and belief in him, but it would also demonstrate the reality of our affection for him. Right? And so giving giving is a reflection of our affection as we see in verse 21. Uh... Here's the thing that you want to note about giving when we look at giving in the Bible, and, and there are a lot of texts about giving. I could bombard you and, and pigeonhole you, and take scripture and and bend—not bend it, but but bend you to the to the scripture, the volume of scripture. Because again, there's just a lot of scripture that talks about giving. But one of the things I would like to do is just have you consider with me the attitude of giving and the type of giving that a believer should have as expressed through the illustrations that we have found in scripture. And just consider that for a moment as we go forward. First of all, giving is always pictured in the Bible as an act of worship. It is an act of worship. We sing, Brian and the pastor always have a running kind of joke about which pastor leads the worship, right? Is the music the worship? Is the sermon the worship? And the, and the thing is, both of them are part of the worship, right? But so is our testimony, so is our witness, so is our giving, uh, so, so is our kindness, so is all the things, the fruits of the Spirit, all those things are rolled into our act of worship. Because what did Jesus say? And my class will know the answer to this immediately from Sunday school. Jesus said this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And all of that is an act of worship, Right? All of that is a part of our worship. And, and uh, uh, again, one of the things to reflect on is that giving is an act of worship. And so if we're not giving, it stands to reason that our worship might be a little broken. Might be a little broken. Because giving is a part of our worship to God. And so that's something to consider. Next, it is an act of obedience. Our text tells us that. Malachi tells us that all through scripture, we see that giving is an act of obedience. All through the Old Testament and the New Testament, we have illustrations of people being obedient in their tithes, in their offerings, and giving to the work of God. Supporting the work of God. Worshiping God through their giving. And so giving is an act of obedience. The next thing is, it is a statement of our faith. It demonstrates the reality that we trust and believe God. Jesus said, uh, again, in Philippians, Paul said, excuse me, Paul said in Philippians, but my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And when we believe that, we're not afraid to give. When we believe that God will truly meet all of our needs and he will fulfill his promise to us in the area of taking care of us, it frees us and liberates us to give because we know God will supply And so, again, it is an expression of a real faith in the Lord Jesus Christ when we give. The other thing is that, uh, uh, let me give you this verse. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And that's Matthew 6. And you read the whole text there from verse 28 to 32. He's talking about, you know, take no thought for tomorrow, for sufficient is the trouble for tomorrow. I mean, it, it. it, God was said he will take care of everything. You don't have to worry about it. He will meet your needs and you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat or where you're going to sleep or what's going to happen in your life because you have a God who's in control of your life, a sovereign God. My class will know this too because I talk about it all the time. We have a God who said, let there be light and there was light. And he has that same power at work in your life to meet your needs. We have a God who raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. And that same resurrection power is at work in my life and in your life to meet the needs of our life. And we need to rejoice in that. But when we recognize that and we acknowledge that fully, it again liberates us to give. We don't worry about our tomorrow because we trust God for not only our tomorrow, but who in here is trusting God For their eternity. Right? So, isn't it kind of an odd deal that we will trust God for our eternity, but sometimes hold back on our tomorrow because we're afraid? So, we have to put that into perspective as believers and recognize that the God who has our eternity locked up and locked down has our tomorrow locked up and locked down and will meet our every need because he's faithful. And so, again, What does biblical giving look like in light of those facts, in light of those truths? Well, if you turn with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we can look at that. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we are going to start in verse 5. So you notice the giant print Bible I have here? I left my tablet plugged in at home. I left my big Bible on my desk at Miranda, and I had this to work with to finish up everything today. And I'm kind of stuck with it because all my tabs and all my notes are in here. But so I'm a little slow with it, is all I'm saying. So Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse five. It says, "So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go ahead to you and arrange." Am I in Second Corinthians chapter nine? I am. Okay. And arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift. Here's the first point. Willing gift, not as an, ex- an extraction. It says in verse 6, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whosoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. And we all know these verses, right? For God loves a cheerful giver. You will he enrich in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Right? And so what does giving look like from a Christian perspective? Paul describes it for us. One, it's generous and it's not forced in verse 5. You know, we don't talk a lot about giving at this church. This church, by nature, is a generous church. This is a very generous church. But here's something to note. This is a church that is growing. And as the church grows, the need grows. And we need to keep pace with that need. And we need to continue to be generous. And we need to have the right attitude about that. Obviously, from what Paul is saying. So, first of all. It's generous and it's not forced. So it's about our attitude when we approach the area of giving. It's about our attitude. Some people have bad attitudes when it comes to giving. Some people get mad at the preacher if he talks about giving. Some people leave the church if you talk about giving too much. That's like saying, you've been talking about heaven too much. I'm getting out of here. Because it's, it's, it's just as a march a much a part of what scripture says and what God expects as your expectation of heaven. Right? And so again, it's an important thing. And churches need to make it a part of their culture. Part of the culture of worship. Part of the culture of loving God, living for God, serving God, growing the ministry of God. And ultimately, out of all of that, reaching others for God. That's what we use the money for here at First Baptist Church. We keep the lights on so that we can come here and worship God. We can be edified as believers and go out into a lost world and be salt and light and reach the lost. What what was the last thing the Lord asked us to do before he left this earth? Go into all the world, preach the gospel, right? Make disciples. What are we doing tonight? Making disciples. So we're, we're going through the exercise and we're going through the practice. And that's what we do as a church. So first of all, what does it look like to give like a Christian? It should be generous. and should not be forced. Secondly, our text tells us that we have a guaranteed return in verse 6. Verse 6 tells us this. Let me go back to it. I really need a bigger Bible. Accordingly, we urge Titus. Oops, wrong verse 6. Let's see. This this is the point: Whosoever spo- sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whosoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Here's what you need to know: There, there's a return, in proportion, to you, and what you do. How many of you come from farming families? I do. How many of you raised a garden? I have. How many of you had to hoe the garden? I have. It was the bane of my youth. But it was an experience I wouldn't trade. Why? Because it demonstrates the reality of God's faithfulness to provide. And it is the same demonstration that God uses here for us to understand in the area of giving. When we give, God provides. And when we give bountifully, God provides bountifully. In proportion to our faith in him. He matches back to us. Now... There is a movement called prosperity theology. Don't confuse what God is saying with what they teach. You do not buy God off. You do not put God over a barrel to bless you. You do not make God do what you want and make you rich. That is not what this verse teaches. And that is not what God is saying. And that is not what God will do. But here's the deal. God is faithful. That's what this verse is saying. God is faithful to bless us according to. To our faithfulness to him. He is faithful. And so uh, again. There is a guaranteed return. On our investment when we give. And then. uh, The next next verse 7. Gives us several points. Read verse 7 with me. It says each one must give. As he has decided in his heart. So it is first of all. From the heart. It is again about your affections. Remember in our text. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So it is really, again, about your affections. It is about your heart. It is about your love. And so then he goes on, uh, uh, again, this is not reluctantly or under compulsion. Again, it is about being a willing participant. God is not going to strong arm you to take your money from you. Because you know what? He doesn't need your money. It is about your relationship. It is about your relationship. God is giving you the opportunity to share in relationship with him. What do we do with people that we love? We demonstrate our affection through the things that we do, right? We don't just tell people we love them. We show them that we love them by the way that we live our life and by the way that we interact with them, right? And that is what God is giving us the opportunity to do here. And then he goes on to say, for God loves a cheerful giver. Again, you want to know what God loves? God loves. We've got a lot of things to, from Scripture to know that God loves. One, he, God so loves the world, right, that He gave His only begotten Son. He has a love for His creation, for His people, right? He also has a love, according to Scripture, f- for a cheerful giver. For a cheerful giver. That's a, that's a special, particular type of giver, right? How many of you were rejoicing the last time you and were happy? The last time you paid your electric bill or better yet, your taxes. I have never been a cheerful giver when it comes to my taxes ever, right? But I'm going to tell you, God has been faithful to me my whole life. And I have never failed to give. And God has never failed to supply. Right. And I love to give. I I love to give because I, I again, get to experience my relationship with God on a deeper level because I'm obeying him and I'm demonstrating in my actions and in my authenticity that I truly love him, right? By keeping his commandments and by obeying him and by demonstrating that in what I do. And we all want to do that. I say this a lot in my class, too. What are the words we want to hear when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ? Well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Aren't we looking for that? Giving is a part of that. In case you wanted to know, giving is a part of that equation. Obedience to God in all areas of our life are a part of that equation. Faithfulness is again demonstrated in the reality of what we do, not in the reality of what we say. The devils know that there is a God and make and can profess that, right? The reality is in our relationship that we have with God, and our relationship is authenticated in the reality of what we do right james we 're in James right now as the adult Sunday school class is over at miranda and we 're dealing with this very issue it is, it is not about what we say; it is about what we do and James says, if we just make a profession with our mouth, but our actions don 't back up what we say, that our profession is dead, it is of no use it is uh, absolute, uh, 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 of no use whatsoever. It is a dead faith, right? And so again, uh, that well done and good and faithful servant, giving is a part of that equation. So we're to give cheerfully, we're to give willingly. Uh, it's to be your decision. As God lays on your heart, he doesn't say you have to give this much money for, for me to bless you. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. He's just looking for your faithfulness. He's just looking for your faithfulness in the air of your relationship with him. Just like he is in the area of your prayer life, in the area of your witnessing, in the area of uh, your faithfulness to assemble yourself together in an assembly like this, and your faithfulness to edify the saints, and your faithfulness to be a testimony and salt and light and all those things. It's a part of all that equation. It's a part. It's not the focal point. It is a part. All of those parts are equally important in our walk and in our talk as believers, right? So then he goes on to say, Uh, In verse 8, let's read that real quick. He says, uh, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And that is dealing with, in verse 8, having the right perspective about God. That God will still see you through. You still will be successful. You still will have, again, the benefit of God in your life and believing him and trusting him. He is faithful to make everything abound in your life. That, that is a term that means that it's not just get by. It, it is a term that's dealing with, again, having abundance. Again, not like the prosperity theology people. This is everything you want. God will give you if you just have enough faith. But recognizing that God will make you abound, that he will make you successful, that he will see you through, that he will push you forward, and that he will take care and meet your needs. Because that's what he's committed to doing. And so, again, it's having, when we give, it demonstrates the reality that we have a right perspective about the faithfulness of God. We have the right perspective about the faithfulness of God. And then in verse uh, 6, 9, and 11, all those verses deal with that there is, again, a promised return on faithful giving. A promised return on faithful giving. Again, God blesses those who are obedient. That is his promise to us. And and that includes in the area of giving and all those areas that we've talked about. So in in, uh, verse 11, let's read that together real quick. Verse 11 says, You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So here's the thing that you need to understand when we give, it impacts others. Others see our giving. And it creates a thankfulness to God, not just for in your life, but in the lives of others. It spreads. When people see our testimony, when we're being salt and light, and we're helping another brother or sister in edifying them and building up their faith and nurturing them, and they see, again, our, the way our language is cleaned up, the way our attitudes is cleaned up, all those things Jesus taught about in this same text that we're dealing with today, that we handle uh, stress the right way, that we uh, handle the situations of life and we don't worry about our tomorrows and and that we're uh, willing to let God have control of our finances and we trust him and believe him. All those things bring about a synergy in the body of believers. And it all points everyone back to the Lord Jesus Christ and it creates an environment of thankfulness because we all recognize the reality of what God is doing in our life. You know, it, I've ha, I've had people say, you know, how do you give that much money uh, out of your? You know, I'm raising four kids. You, not all of you know that. So I, I've got I've got a wife and uh, two kids through college, right? And I got two more to go, and, and and it's expensive. And you know, there's been times in my life where I've almost had financial ruin because I'm a ruin because I'm a bit of a entrepreneurial kind of guy. I've made a lot of money, and I've lost a lot of money, right? And there have been times in my life where I couldn't make my mortgage payment, but God provided. There have been times when I have made other people's mortgage payments, because God provided, right? You just have to be faithful with what God does, and, and, and God always provides. And, and, and then when people see that lived out in your life, it, it, it has a synergistic effect. It really does. It's an amazing thing. So let's move on. It'll impact others, and then it always points others to God in verse 12. And it's a proof of where our affection is, and that's in verse 13. And, and you know, this giving thing keeps tying back to our affections in Jesus' teaching and Paul's teaching. So if you look with me in verse 13, um, it says this. Uh, man, I've got to get a Bible with bigger numbers. <laughs> Or better glasses. <laughs> By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them, for all others. Okay. So let's go on. It says, uh, um, again, where your heart is, is where, uh, excuse me, where in your heart is it? Let me say this one more time. Where in your heart are you when it comes to giving to the Lord? And that's the question I just want to ask as we get ready to close tonight. You know, again, this church gives faithfully in a lot of ways. We are doing a lot this year to help other ministries and to reach more people. And uh, we have a lot of great plans. And, you know, all of it, uh, all of it takes money. But we don't focus on the money. We're going to vote on our budget in a couple I think next Sunday, right? And, uh, you know, again, God, here's something that I've learned about God in this area too. God never calls me to do something that God doesn't equip me to do. And God's called this church to step out in faith and to reach this community, right? And we're doing that. And God would never call us to do something that God wouldn't provide us the means to do. And so we're going to, we're going to corporately trust God in the area of our finances the same that we, way that we individually trust God in the area of our finances. And, you know, again, so let's talk about this. God also gifts us all differently. And God also provides us all differently. We don't all live the same lives. Some folks have more money and some folks have less money, right? Let's talk about if God has gifted you with money in this, in this way. Are you being faithful with what God has given you, however much it is, in proportion to what he's given you? The question is, are you being faithful in that area? Do you put the same effort and energy into planning your eternal portfolio and investing in the things of God in the same way that you do in your retirement? That's a question that every believer needs to ask himself. Now, let's flip this coin, because we've all been there, to the other side of this equation. We're a new believer, we're a young believer, we're a new family. We're a single person just starting a career. We're we're young. We we don't have a lot of resources. We're just beginning to uh, earn an income, or or we're earning an income, but you know we're raising a family. There's all these scenarios, and we're all at different levels of income and expense, and all these kinds of things. But the reality is, it's not about the amount. If we go back to what is said here, it's about the heart. Right? It's not about the amount. It's about the heart. So here's the deal. If you're new and you're starting out and you're a young believer, a new believer, uh, uh, a uh, a believer with a big new family that you're trying to provide for and you don't have a lot of extra resources, then let's look at it this way. Can Can you start to give on a level equal to your cell phone payment? Or your internet payment? Or your Starbucks habit. Somewhere. Because again, it is not about the amount that we're talking about. This church is never going to hammer or harp on people giving money to that level. What we're saying is be faithful where you're at. Out of your heart. What God lays on your heart to give. That's all we're asking. That's all that we're teaching. That's all that we believe you should do. Because that's what the Bible says, Right? And so begin somewhere to give and to be faithful to God. Now, here's the thing us older folks can tell you. God will supply your needs when you are faithful. You will make ends meet. You will raise those children. You will move forward. God will be faithful in your life. It's the only thing in the Bible that Jesus or God said, test me, test me, test me. He openly says, test him in the area of giving. You cannot outgive God. When I was a kid, my parents uh, taught me to give at a very early age. So I have never had a life outside of giving a tithe or an offering to God in my life. It has never been that way because it's the way I was raised to be faithful in that area. And and I owe that to my parents because they, they taught me really to do what I needed to do long before I understood the principles behind what I was doing. And that's what parents do, by the way, right? We get our kids to do what they need to do, and they'll hopefully figure that out as they get older, and then they realize we're a little smarter than they thought, right? <laughs> but that happens. And so, again, I, I, I've, always, I've always given. And, um, and I cannot tell you the times in my life that God has miraculously provided. Still to this day. Still to this day, God provides for me in a miraculous way. He, he always is faithful Now, that's my testimony, and there are people in this room that have been faithful to God for a lifetime who can share their testimony, but God is faithful. So we're saying um, believe our testimony, but more than that, believe God's word. Believe God's word and be faithful there. Um, As we get ready to close, let's read one more text just to point out. The reality, and I move into the big Bible. Turn with me in Mark chapter twelve, and this is a, a story to talk and to really drive home the fact that it's really not about. And Jesus tells this parable about uh, how much you give, but about the heart from which you give. All right. So look in Mark's chapter twelve, and this is also a very, very, very familiar story from Scripture. And in verse forty-one, Jesus sat opposite of the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. And then he goes on to say in verse 42, then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which makes about a quinder and, or that's a, a cent. So he called his disciples to him. He, he thought so much of what this woman had done that he brought his disciples whom he was teaching and instructing, Right? whom he was instilling into them the truth of God, right? He brought them over to observe and to see what this woman was doing. And then he goes on and he says, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury, for they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. So it wasn't, again, about... A large sum, right? It was about she believed God would meet her needs. And she gave what she had. She believed God. And Jesus acknowledges that. And he recognizes that. And not only does he acknowledge it and recognizes it, he points it out to those that he's with. And so, again, it is about, if we boil it all down, when it comes to giving. When it comes to giving, it, is a, it boils all the way down to our affections. It boils down to our heart. Where's our heart? Jesus said it this way, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So it is the matter of our affections as believers. That's it for tonight. So I have two announcements for you. Barry is helping with one of the schools like they did last year to feed some kids. There's no money involved. There's just a volunteer of time necessary. If you'd like to volunteer to help feed some kids at one of the middle schools, be a testimony and a witness to them, see Barry after, outside in the lobby. And then secondly, we're doing our packing party for the shoebox project that we're involved in out there. And so there's going to be a bunch of tables set up. There's going to be a bunch of stuff. And when you go out the door, you have the opportunity to fold up some boxes Put some stuff in that, seal it up, and prepare that box to be shipped off to a kid that will get a gospel message, get some small uh, gifts and necessities, and we can be a witness and an impact to people we've never met on other parts of the globe in a very small way by participating out here tonight. So if you've got time, please join Brian out there, and he can point you in the right direction. God bless you all. Have a great night.